Uh, welcome to class, and I really wanted to um, just say, you know, as we've prayed and thought about uh, this, this time together, uh, for those of you who are in first service, what a tremendous confirmation of, 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 of preparing our hearts and, and, and minds for uh, the topic that we are, are addressing. For those of you who just have wandered in and were maybe even prompted by what Josh talked about today, um, I thought the class was called If by the Spirit, but it, it maybe has a little more formal name that you are aware of. But the people in this room are here because we recognize uh, that, uh, that, that in our lives, we have lots of limits. There are lots of things that we cannot do, but we serve a God who is um, uh, able to do uh, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And so many times, uh, I fear that what we end up doing is, is relying on ourselves and uh, trying to figure things out and you know, pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, which is kind of the American uh, mantra, right? And so those of us who are here know that that doesn't work, but that doesn't necessarily mean we've experienced something different. But there's a stirring within us desiring more, wanting more, recognizing uh, that there are, 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 are resources that are abundant and that are, that are there uh, that we just haven't, we haven't been able to access for whatever reason. And so this class reminds us that um, when we think about life in the Spirit, it is supposed to be an overcoming life. Uh, it's not going to be by the works of the flesh and by our desires and by the, the, the they're putting more effort into it. It's going to be the work of the Spirit in us that is going to um, allow us, as we draw near and as we uh, grow deeper in relationship with the Lord, for Him to be as a master surgeon going in and cutting this part off and breathing new life into this other area that on our own, we wouldn't be able to accomplish. Um, and so, just reminded, if we live according to the flesh, if we walk in the flesh, the end of that is going to be death. But if by the Spirit we're putting to death the deeds of the flesh, um, if the Spirit is doing that, we will live. And I think that all of us know, and probably we're here because we hear Jesus speak about the abundant life, and then we put our life beside it, and it's so atrophied, and it's so... Um, so not robust um, as we want it to be uh, in terms of spirituality. Uh, and we want to get to this place where we can know that um, as we are being led by His Spirit, we truly are His children. And in a world that is so fast-paced and in a world that has so many responsibilities, being able to be led when we've been taught all of our lives to pursue and to push and to perform, um, it's a it's a it's a, 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 a change in mindset that we need. So, in this class, there've been so many great things, but I felt like we would be a little bit um, neglectful if we don't take a step back. Jeannie did such a great job last week looking at Luke 15, um, and I remember two years ago sitting under this teaching for the first time and and just being amazed because I love you know as a history teacher, I love text, and I love getting into word studies, and I love um, uh, putting pieces together, and I believe, I'm about 100% sure, <laughs> that the first time that I, I ever stood in a podium and preached, it was on one of these texts, and the, the elders had, it, you know, gotten us as youngsters to be able to stand up and, and teach us, and I actually got 
the prodigal son. We had someone who did the coin and someone who did the sheep, uh, and I got the prodigal son uh, wrapping, wrapping the whole thing up. But I wanted to spend just a moment because we didn't, in our little you know, 12-year-old, 13-year-old bodies, put it all together in the same way that Jeannie did last week. And I just wanted, that for, for the benefit of people who weren't here, I want to just spend a moment allowing us to kind of process what we learned last week as we think about um, what Jesus was doing in this one parable with four kind of character studies that were there. And so we see a parallel that there's supposed to be a connection. Um, and the pictures don't necessarily go in, in, in order, so, and we don't have to go in order. Um, there's a problem character, a character who's gotten into trouble. What is the problem they got into and how did they get there? Who was the helper character? What was the solution to the problem? Um, and so just by way of pictures, I was hoping to, and I've already said them, so you can probably remember, but let's just talk about this for, for a moment. What were takeaways from last week? How many of you spent time thinking about it since last week? Hopefully most of us. Um, so let's just be able to share. Imagine someone who wasn't here. What is it that we learned, uh, who wasn't here last week? What is it that we learned last week that they need to know? I think one thing, and this is one that struck me, I don't know if the rest of the class caught on to it big time, but the particle sun story really, really grabs me of, of the four different parables. Because the father, even though he knew his son was off doing really bad things, looked for him, watched for him. He saw him a long way off. It means he was looking for him. Even though he was gone, he was <clears throat> lost, the father wanted him back and looked for him. And so we translate to our, our God, which is what this is about, how God relates to us. Even though we sometimes eat, he's watching for us and wants us and wants us and wants us. And that really struck me. And the heart of the Father is beautiful in that. And I think one of the passages that all of us who have participated in Freedom Prayer and, and, and have been a part of this class, the drawing near to God component, to making the decision to say, I need to be in your presence. Um, and, you know, when you look at the motivations behind uh, the prodigal's return and what he was hoping for and what he received, um, I think that gives us com comfort as well, right? Yeah, so in the far right corner, I'm sorry, the, the, the images were not as great as I thought when they get projected up on a big screen. Uh, a very famous painting is of the prodigal. Um, and so, so okay, so we, the problem was the son. He had chosen to sin. Um, he, he wanted what was his beforehand, and he went off to a far country and separated himself. That was a choice that he made. So that was one of the, one of the three. What's up, what else? What's this first picture um, of? Yes? Um, just the, the different types of ways that we could be hurt, like the wounding versus the accidental wandering versus the, no, I really meant to do this. Right, you okay. Know, um, because... I guess in my head it was all one thing, but it's not. I mean, right. sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes it was an accident. Sometimes you did it on purpose. But the things are just the same. Okay. And so the condition of, of needing help, of needing to be found, needing to be rescued in some way, is the same in all of them. And so as we look at this, I think that that's one of the most beautiful parts also, how full to the human experience Jesus' teaching is here. Um, because there are, um, and so for, for the benefit of those who weren't here, we have the woman who was searching for what? Lost coin. Lost coin, and it did nothing 
to be lost. It was the, the um, action of someone else or the, the, the negligence of someone else that led to it being lost. And that corresponds to the wounding, like we just shared. Uh, there's something that's been done to you that was, that was no, no fault of your own. Uh, a wounding may have happened, but still the coin is an image bearer. Still the coin has value. Even though it's in a dark and lost place, it's worthy of being sought out and being searched for. Um, in the picture of the lamb, uh, that reminds us Jesus is the shepherd. And what did that correspond to? One in a hundred. Okay, one in a hundred. Okay, I, 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 I'm willing to set these other 99 uh, aside and go and find the one who is lost. And how did that little sheep get lost? He just wandered off. Um, and so we see that, that, that there's a little bit more fault, right? Um, I, I, got, I kind of got lost and got entangled and got in over my head and got, got, got uh, into a situation that was dangerous. We talked about the prodigal. And then the fourth was, um, so we had a wounding. We had an entanglement. Um, we had sin. And then we have the older brother who represents a more complex picture of um, kind of an ungodly belief that has, has been born in him that I've been here and I've been serving you and I've done everything that you wanted. A real works-based approach to relationship that says I deserve something and he's missing the love of the Father all the time. And so one of the things that we, you know, that, that I love about Freedom Prayer is that it's helped to pull together parts of scripture uh, in a way that I haven't um, experienced as fully. As we look at um, recognizing that the Spirit throughout the ages has been working to make God's um, desires known to us in a way that we can understand and that, that we, are, we are more than just head knowledge. Uh, we have heart, we have emotion, uh, and God reaches out and speaks to us through so many different avenues that when we stop dissecting the text um, and allowing it to breathe in and through us, uh, there is much uh, more that we can see. And so as we are going to kind of transition today, our focus is going to look um, mainly at sin. Um, I loved what Josh talked about this morning. I loved Steve's encouragement at the end uh, in thinking about uh, the, the three different uh, branches of, of people, not just people who are sinners and know it, but people who are sinners and know that they are forgiven. Because I think a lot of us have that in our head as an understanding. Um, but as far as experience goes, and living our lives in a way that profess that that's what we truly believe, uh, I think a lot of us are still, uh, I don't know how to, how to say it, like recovering guilt addicts or something. I don't know, that we, we struggle a lot um, in that area. Yeah, I would like for us to take that a step further. I think we need to quit calling ourselves sinners because we're continually cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I think we need to refer to ourselves as saints. Not that we're perfect. It's by the grace of God we are who we are. But He's put us into a new place. It's not, I'm not in that old place anymore. I'm in this new place. But I'm being transformed. But we're afraid to call ourselves saints because of the connotation of perfection. And that's not the definition of a saint. It's not perfection. It's dedication. It's set apart. It's holiness. And so, um, 
I think part of our own thought is, is when we label ourselves as sinners, it's like what he talked about this morning. We're defining ourselves by our worst moments in our life. And we're not, we've been saved from that. That's exactly right. And I think that one of the things, you know, I kind of extend it from the current cultural debates that are out there about identity and how we, how we choose to identify ourselves um, and I think that that's a real, it's at the core of who we are. And it's so much more than sexual identity. Because as Christians, our identity is in Him. Um, and are we being more shaped into His likeness through the power of His Spirit? Yes, sir. I'm just going to say, it's more of a challenge for some than other. I, I don't know who else grew up Catholic. Mm. Okay, but I mean, you were reminded every, every Sunday or every day if you want to go to church every day that you know, because it's a crucifix and Jesus is hanging on the cross and it's your fault. Right, right. You know, so that's right. It takes a lot to turn the corner, right? You know, from that. And to the degree that we can see that and that we can see it as an expression of love, and, um, and I've shared this before, I know, but I would just, for the sake of knowing, you reminded me of um, a law school professor that I had who was talking about contracts and worth. Um, we are worth what what God was willing to pay for us. And the crucifix is a great reminder of just what our value is, um, of how great the love of the Father is for us. Uh, and so in those moments where we believe the lies that you're not good enough or you're never going to amount to anything, you can see the crucifix. And so rather than seeing it as an instrument of torture, it, it, ingesting that as this is my worth, like God was willing to do this that I might have a chance to be reconciled. Uh, it, it, can be a, it can be a beautiful thing also. Um, and so let's just take a look at a couple of basic definitions because as we think about sin and how we want to identify ourselves, it's so important for us to, to, to recognize the distinction And as, as we were just recognizing of being in sin, the prodigal was different than the lamb, right? Um, Knowing disobedience is different than, like, that was so foolish, I didn't even think about, you think about maybe as a, as a teenager stumbling into something that you had no idea of. That's really different than making the choice. Hey, I remember when, and if I only do this, I can get to that. Um, that's a whole different feeling, right? And so you have something that's a knowing disobedience, and an entanglement would be something that through maybe a little carelessness, negligence, or, or whatever, you, you are naive and you wander into something that is much bigger. Because if you remember from the Ephesians 6 passage that Josh mentioned this morning, um, there are powers that are out there. They are prowling, and they are seeking to devour. It's not just to kill and destroy. It is laying traps. It is um, studying you and your behaviors to find a chink in the armor because what's happening here and what's happening you know, in places and communities where, where the spirit is breathing life into people, uh, you better be sure that there is an alert enemy who doesn't want to see that happening. Uh, and so uh, entanglements are something that can happen to us now as well. And so be aware of that. So when we think about sin, and one of the points that Mike was just making, um, sometimes we put a theological term and then it doesn't quite connect to our hearts and understanding as much. But this idea of justification, once and for all, Jesus, uh, his sacrifice covers the sin of humanity, past, present, and future. There's nothing that you can do tomorrow that is going to exceed the amount of God's grace to, 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 to free you from, right? Uh, we recognize that that's justification. The penalty has already been paid. It's not that it's disregarded, but 
the sacrifice was so great that humanity <laughs> cannot drain the, the pool of grace that God has. Right? In the future, so we live now in this state of justification. <clears throat> in the future, we will be glorified. And in the state of glorification, the presence of sin will be gone. That's a not yet. That's a later on. But we know that that's the trajectory that we're on. We've been justified and we will be glorified. And the process that's taking place in our lives right now is sanctification. We are, we are in the place where the power of sin is, is to be being broken in our lives. From justification to glorification is a process. Um, and the sanctification uh, is, the, is the tool of the Spirit in our lives to help us overcome the power of sin. Um, and that's why when you uh, look at passages that Paul writes later on about maturity, like at this point you should be uh, you know, getting into the meat of the matter, but you still need the milk. What is he talking about? You know, we should be seeing growth. This idea of overcoming sin, if we are living in the, in the power of the Spirit and the Spirit is working in us, we should be seeing growth, we should be seeing change, we should be seeing um, a greater likeness of Christ in us if things are happening properly. Um, we celebrated the 10th birthday. If Becca was still acting like a 5-year-old or still on a bottle, we would all know that something was wrong, right? Why don't we think in our spiritual life that we should expect the growth principle, the reaping and sowing, uh, that, that, that that would be true in our lives. It should be. Um, and one of the reasons why if we're not experiencing that growth, I think, is because we, we have um, neglected the power of the Spirit and the, and the work that the Spirit's supposed to be doing in our lives to help us overcome the power of sin. So I want you just for a minute, if you're being completely honest, I want you to think about the present reality of sin in your life and how you think about it. When you think about the sin in my life. And I'm going to just put some things up on the screen and see if you connect with any of these. had a chance to, to look through these and see some of them. Maybe you've connected with some of them more than others. And today I'm just going to suggest that as we continue our story and we're looking at sin, I think when we focus on sin, it's a distraction. There's so much we can talk about about this. We're going to try to go into to, to what I want to have prepared. Yes, sir. It's another Catholic thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, because it's about sin. So, um, it, if you're Catholic, there's venial sin and there's mortal sin. Okay, and the venial if mortal sins are on the Big Ten, okay, and commandments, and then the others are venial sins. And at the end of end of Mass, the priest, you know, does the Father, Son, Holy Spirit that wipes out the venial sins until. Until you do it again. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, yes, there's this guy at work, uh, Brian, you know. I, it's so hard to like him, you know. And God tells us to love everyone. So, to me, that's a venial sin. 
and in my mind, I'm separating that from the big sin. But you know, but sin is sin. Right. So uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Right, but right. Have you worked that one out? I'd sure like some help on this. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Okay, I'll, I'll wait about three minutes. Okay, right. <laughs> well, I think that you know, as I as I've been been thinking about this and and approaching it, whether it's venial or whether it is one of the Big Ten, um, the blood of Christ is what's justifying us all along. And as, and as we look at that, like in that moment, and you recognize, man, I've sinned, the way that we respond to that and the way that we hear that inside, there's an accuser who's there who's saying, see, you're not enough, right? You can't do this. You got to wait till the next mass to have this relief. Uh, and I, I teach uh, world history, so I've thought a lot about the the influence of the Catholic Church coming through the Middle Ages, um, and the way that that formation of this is what humanity is. You you all should be groveling at the feet. Um, Congratulations, Dan. <laughs> hey. Woo! But always getting this, this idea that my sin is separating me from God. Do you notice how that's counter to what God instructs us to do? To draw near. When we feel separated, we feel unworthy, we feel dirty, we feel ashamed, we feel like we're less than we should be, which makes us want to do what? Oh, you see it in your youngest kids, right? They know. They might be bold enough. To say I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have an accident, or I didn't eat the cookie, and you've got, you know, the, the, <laughs> that may be that may be a first response, but you get a little smarter, and what do you do? You become sneakier, you hide it better, and so the human response is the Adam and Eve response. I'm gonna, I'm going to sow myself fig leaves, and I'm gonna hide, and God will never know. Because I've, separ- I've chosen my quest for wisdom and knowledge has led me to a place. I'm taking it myself, and it's separated me from God. And now I've done something bad, and now I'm separate. Um, and God is asking, where are you? I want relationship. And so when we see sin, and our first response is, Oh, it separates me from God. I, I'm not doing what I need to do. I need another, uh, another mass to, to help me be free of this. We're saying no to where God is. We're saying, I, I can't draw near to you. Uh, and that's a, that's a huge hurdle for some of us. And we've got to retrain ourselves to see that this is, this is how, um, this is how I, I'm going to see sin from now on. It's a reminder of how much I need him. Uh, and there is a distinction between temptation and sin, and we have to recognize that um, and, and, and train ourselves to say, when we feel the temptation, that's my warning. That's my, um, hey, the Lord has prepared, it's the First Corinthians 10, 13, he's prepared a way for me to escape this. God, I need you. Help me. I know that this isn't bigger than what I can handle. You've given a way of escape. Show it to me. Help me. I'm drawing near to you. Um, give me the strength. And so let's look so at it. Can I answer his question yeah, just yeah. real quick? Yeah, sure. So what that is in the Catholic Church is a confusion of identity and intimacy. The Catholic Church teaches that when I commit a mortal sin, I change my identity to one who's going to hell. Whereas what God teaches, Romans 7, 
is I only change my intimacy. That is, I have chosen to step back and hide exactly as Scott said, and so I feel condemnation, but that's not God. It's not the, um, it's not the father of the prodigal. He never condemned. When the, when the son came back and tried to explain himself, he just went, right? And so that, that's the difference, I think, is, is that our identity never changes, but our own sense of intimacy changes because of the guilt that comes on us. Right. And just so everybody knows, to get off the Big Ten list, you go to confession. Right. And then you <coughs> Which is a good thing. <laughs> okay, sorry, keep going. Yeah. We don't want to take than, you off track here. Other than hiding, it seems like a popular thing today is taking a step further and, and to just say, well, this is also part of me. Mm -hmm. um, I can be both. I'm, I'm this, but this sin is also in me. And I, I just, I need to dwell I can dwell with God and have this sin, and we're just together. Mm -hmm. Instead of, God wants it up and off of you. Mm -hmm. But I think people have, have so believed this is part of my identity that I just, I stay mm -hmm. in this and sit with it. This is who I am. And this is what God intends. This is this is the human experience. Right. We just live both to be right. to heaven, and then we're, we're fixed there. Yes, sir. Uh, there's a, one of my favorite verses, 1 John 3, 20. Even, when, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and mm. He knows everything. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, and so I was I was along the same lines with Mike and this one in the top left corner here. Say I'm just a sinner in need of grace, like everybody else. Feels a little bit like we're letting ourselves off the hook, right? Like, well, this this is the human experience. This is just who I am, and, and God is okay with that. Um, but it doesn't, to me, jive with the expectation of abundant living yeah. uh, that Jesus has for us. <clears throat> There's actually another one up there that is epidemic in our society, which is it's not sin. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is, yeah. This is okay. Yeah. Uh, right. you know, it's not sin. And it goes for you to call sin is condemnation, and, and you can't do that to me. Right, and it is, right. The, uh, it is, it is <clears throat> part of the biggest of the original sin, right, is that you will be all-knowing like God. Um, and you can define what sin is. Like you, you, you are the one who can, and I think, that's a, I think you're absolutely right in our culture. So let's take a look at how human experience, how, how we most likely have experienced this in the past. You feel the temptation, you fight against it, but you struggle, you fail, you give in to it. Then you confess and you promise, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do better. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that again. Or, I'm, man, I know when I get with so-and-so... I'm going to have to start the conversation in a different direction because it always seems to get back and I'm going to do better next time. And then there's the next time and then the next time. And ultimately what this leads to is death. This is working in the flesh, right? This is I by my will and in my, you know, in my, in my own um, soul, I'm going to have enough to be able to, to overcome whatever this is because that's the American way. And I don't need to talk to anybody about it. I can do it. Even just me and God can do it, but, but we're not allowing God in to help with it, right? Okay, so another thing, let's say that you are seeking to be intimate with God and kind of going back to this idea um, of, of so we see our limitations. Our experience as a teacher, remember we live in a very rational world today after the Enlightenment, it's all about rationality and how we see things. 
And here's what the Bible says, but here's what I've experienced. And we put those on the table of science and you weigh them. Well, maybe this was hyperbole. Maybe this is a hopeful. My experience is this, though. And I know that man can't walk on water. That's impossible. After I'd come back from uh, living overseas and doing a little bit of mission work, um, I started reading older theologians, writers. I, I was just so impressed with people from like 100, 150 years before. And I came across this guy named Andrew Murray. Uh, he wrote a book called Absolute Surrender, who told this story from Matthew 14 um, that talked about Peter. And, and it challenged me, and I can't, I didn't go back and find it. Reading it. The way that I have ingested this and thought about this over time is that, you know, the question we need to ask is, do we have more faith in our ability to fail? Hmm than in God's power to help us to do the supernatural. Because it's the same God, right? The same God that allowed... Peter physically walked on the water. He was a man just like us. Jesus was a man like us. And so as you you think about this idea, because I know a lot of us have been... uh, There are probably sins that we've wrestled with for years or decades... And our experiences teach us, well, that's just who I am. That's just, uh, you know, that's my thorn in the flesh. And we can spiritualize it any way that we want to, but what is it really saying about us? Do we believe that God has the ability to help us through his spirit to put to death the works of the flesh? And to do what we might believe would be as supernatural as walking on the water. He has that ability today through the power of the spirit. So what does that look like? We call it freedom action. And if by the Spirit we find ourselves in this situation where a temptation has arisen uh, and we have sinned, I confess, I repent, then I resist, and I stand firm. Go back to Ephesians 6 that was woven in today's um, sermon today, I think just on purpose for us to take a look at this and say it is by the Spirit that we will be able to overcome And rather than keeping the focus on the sin and on the temptation, the more, like during Lent, you've given up chocolate, how many chocolate cupcakes and cakes and candies come into your office, right? Like, it's like (laughs) diabolical. Like, I know, but I'm not going to do it. And what does that do to your desire? It makes it worse. It makes it worse, right? You crave it. The focus is on the flesh and what, what am I tempted by? And I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shield my eyes and I'm going to um, deny all of these physical things and I'm thinking about the body and the more I think about the body, the louder it gets. The louder the flesh becomes because I'm depriving it of something that I deserve. And I can even rationalize it, right? Um, the life that comes from this is about relationships. Right? Life is experienced in relationship. You know, we go on spring break vacations with family not to see cool places. Right? It's about the people that we're with and the way that we get to encounter living in a way that's different than the mundane day-to-day. And so this ability to stand firm as we resist is different than our, um, what we experience in this kind of endless cycle that's this way. Now, there's still going to be a cycle. There's still going to need to be um, confession. But we're not focused on what we have done as much as what God is doing and how he, um, how he is helping us. Yes? I find myself in a combination of those two. Okay. All right. I feel like in our lives, most of us have a temptation that's pretty much 
with us a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, some people have a really hard time with gossip. They just, right. okay. I sin, I confess it. I repent, but I'm not going to do this anymore. Spirit, help me do that. I want to not. I try to resist, and I fail again. So I'm kind of in between those two. Right. Middle of this one, and then back in the middle of that one. And it's, it's very difficult to, to not have the, the guilt that goes along with not being able to complete that right circle and fall back into the left circle. But do you fail every time? Pardon? Do you fail every time? No. Not every time. Yeah. But sometimes. And it brings all kind of guilt. You know, John, you're serious. How could you do it again? Right, 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 and that's the and that's part of the that's part of the learning process, right? And and uh, Peter had experienced a lot before he got out of the boat, right? And so it's the same with us. And we don't just as Jesus didn't judge Judas by his uh, his worst moments. That's not how he's judging us. And I think there's probably a part of that in your mind that is the accuser saying you're not going to be able because he doesn't want you to be able. To, to experience freedom in that point. Yeah. Um, I I deal with that too, and I've been praying about it, and I really felt like God um, showed me that His uh, blood covers all of our guilt, so every time I feel like that, I try to picture myself being covered mm -hmm. by His blood in not a creepy way, which is hard. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? but I notice when I do that, it goes away. Mm -hmm. So... To me, so that's the antidote to me is, is, is Christ's blood covers my shame and my guilt and then I don't have to feel like it's on top of that. Right, and does it's that, that yeah, it does. And it's and it's that proximity. You can't have that feeling without drawing near, right? And so when the shame comes, oh Father, it's coming again. Like I know what you want for me. And and what I've experienced in those kinds of moments, lots of times as you're praying for the Spirit to increase your um, awareness of how do I get into this? I don't want to get entangled in this kind of relationships anymore. Um, the Spirit can give you alerts, like warning signals. Um, sometimes it might be an insight into what that other person needs that you could provide in a different way, right? Because they are engaging in gossip. Not because they want to run somebody else down, but they have a need that, they, that, they, that isn't being met somewhere. And Father God can, can, through you, speak the words that they need to hear if you're willing to do that. So sometimes it's like a multi-layered thing. Like, I'm working on me, but God is really wanting to work on this other person. Just let me, let me use you for a second. Did you notice this about them? And then you can speak into their life something that is um, uh, unexpe unexpected from you and to them. Can I put a little different twist on this? From if I were to use that for that, anytime one of us teach, we put things in ways that the words work for us. If I were to use that, the focus is still on me, and not the Holy Spirit. I confess, and then I repent. But to me, the temptation is: where's my, where, where are my eyes looking? It's looking at my my struggle, my temptation, my sin. Over here, I'm focusing on Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I can only go in the direction I'm walking, I'm looking at. And so the only way I can overcome sin is by walking the way of Jesus. But when I try to do it on my own willpower, I fail miserably time and time and time again. And the only way that I can do it is when the Holy Spirit leads me 
actually, my only choice is who I'm going to listen to. Right. And I think that that's where we have to be careful because if we don't tie it into Scripture and say, well, what has God told us to do? Because He has told us to confess. He has told us yeah. to repent. And so I think that there is a, I mean, absolutely, I hope that in the way that I was presenting it, you can see like the true life is in relationship. And these are tools that, that God knows you can't keep it secret. You have, to, you have to be sorry for it, and you have to want to walk another way. I agree with you on the relationship Yeah, it's part. not me resisting. It's right. the power of the Spirit through me resisting. Yeah. And it's, not, it's yeah. not me who in my own strength is going to be able to stand firm. It's going to be through this relationship. And so maybe we could have put true life uh, and relationship in the middle. Can you talk more about what repent means? Yeah, um, and so I should, <laughs> Sorry, Franklin! I didn't know if that was your next slide. Yeah, um, that, it is not. It is not okay. your next slide. Um, and so, so let me, for the sake of time, because I know I'm taking, I'm taking more of Frank's time, is there something that you would want to... to I just think that, that <laughs> we have repent, meaning yes. beat yourself yeah. up because you're a jerk. And God says, no, repent is give it to me, let go of it. Say, Jesus, what do you have for me instead that's true? I will believe that. Repent means being willing to be found, not beating yourself up. That's the story in Luke 15 is every one of those people that said, blessed are sinners who repent. But in every case, they were willing to be found by Jesus. Give their sin, their problem, their issue to him. Let go of it and say, who do you say I am? What do you have for me in exchange for this? And everything changes when you make that connection. Everything changes. And that's the difference, I think. That's what Jesus is trying to say in Luke 15 is, the sheep repented by being found, by being carried. Right? None of those four did anything except to accept what the Father gave and to be changed by what he gave. That's it. Because if I'm a different person, the temptation kind of goes, it's not as important as what I got in Jesus. It's just not. Mm -hmm. It's recognizing the counterfeit as the way that I've seen it so many times. Like in these freedom prayer experiences that yeah. we have, you recognize, man, what he provides is so much more than, than what I'm... Like, I, the same way we were talking to John about um, the gossip and recognizing that usually there's a need that's there. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with me. And there's something that I was looking for and I'm filling it with a counterfeit and when the relationship is there and the presence of God through His Spirit is working, I mean, it feels completely different and, and, and the counterfeit is shown for what it is. Okay. So, just in the little bit of time we have left, um, and this is the perfect segue into this, um, in a freedom prayer session, as the person comes in and is kind of telling their story, what's been going on with them, the freedom prayer team is kind of listening for the things that Scott's been talking about, the woundings or an entanglement or a sin or an ungodly belief or something from the demonic. And so um, as we kind of wrap up here, I'd like for us to kind of do a little activity. And before you, um, your heart starts beating fast, your palms start sweating, as mine, mine would if I was in your seat for sure. This is just going to be between kind of you and God. Um, for this one. And so, in, the, in my past, I guess when, when God would bring up unconfessed sin, it was kind of like, you know, beat myself up or just push it out or just, know, you know, change the subject, I don't want to think about that or whatever, you know. Um, or just guilt that, that you know, yeah, I know I did that. Not, not really knowing 
how to get that off of me. And so, in a freedom prayer session, is a good is a good way to get that off of you with you and a few others going before God and kind of just speaking out the words before God to get that off. And so, um, hopefully, this kind of activity we'll do here now will kind of give you a framework. Maybe do that in your own life, um, and then Satan may may try to come bring it back up. But when God says it's done, it's done. And you can tell Satan when he tries to bring it up, no, I'm sorry, God not dealt with that. You can take that to Jesus if you like to, but we're done with that. And that's kind of out of your life, as Andy was saying. So this is going to be kind of like what Jim did a few weeks ago. We walked through uh, drawing near to God. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of closing your eyes and uh, just kind of resting um, with you and God there. And what we'll, what we'll just do is just kind of ask God some questions. And, and just start out, and just to yourself, just kind of ask the Father, God, would it be okay if we drew near? Just inviting Him in, asking Him to be close, believing the Scriptures that say that when we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. And so you can know that He is there, whether that's a feeling you get, whether that's a sense you get whether there's a place you go with Him, whether He's just right beside you with His his arm around you. When you draw near to Him, He promises He will draw near to you. And it's safe there with Him. And it's not scary. And it's not condemning. And so, as you're there with Him, just ask Him. Just ask Him, Father, search me. Show me if there's any unconfessed sin that I'm holding on to, that has a place in me. Anything I'm not giving to you. David said in the Psalms, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. God already knows it. He knows our secrets. He knows what we'd like to hide or think we're hiding. And so we're all being sanctified. And so if something comes up, because we're all, we all have those things we need to deal with with God, as He brings something to mind, just between you and God, we're just going to confess it. Just confess to God, God, blank was sin. That was sin, Father. I sinned against you. I call it sin. You and me and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are on this side and the problem is a problem over there, and that was sin, Father. And I just confess that as sin to you. And so as you bring that before God and confess that to Him, as was said, the next step, as I said earlier, the next step is just asking Jesus, Jesus, would you apply the blood of Jesus to that sin? That's the only thing that gets that off of me, is you applying the finished work of Jesus on the cross to that sin in my life. And I need that, Father. I need you to do that. You told us the blood of Christ cleanses us, cleanses our consciences, and we can be clean because of that. So we just receive that and accept that, Father, that you've dealt with it, taken care of it. wash that away and as he cleans that and washes that space just 
want to ask Jesus, is there anything you want to give me in the place that sin occupied? Father, what do you want to put in that place? What, do you, what did you intend in that place, Father? I want to receive that from you, God. Show me what that is. So as you receive that, just thanking Jesus, thanking Him for, for that cleansing, for that renewal, for that whatever that was that He wants to put inside of you. Even if that wasn't maybe apparent right now, that He, he wants to put something in the place that sin. He had an intention for that spot. And so as you kind of come, come back from that, and to hate to pull you back from God and <laughs> focus back up here, but as you as you did that, any thoughts or any any comments, or is that kind of what what we might walk through, something similar to that in a freedom prayer time, if if sin was what uh, presented in that session. Um, confessing it, um, yeah, asking God to show you show you what that what that was, confessing it to God as sin. Asking him to wash in the blood of Jesus, and then asking what he has for us in its place. What did he want to give us in the place of that? Um, I know we're getting to the end of the time here. What we'll, I guess we'll probably start with next week is um, some steps. You know, that's kind of for sin, maybe in the past, unconfessed sin. How do I get this off of me? How do I, this is bothering me. I know I should have done that, but I'm just, I don't know what to do with it. That's kind of a step to get that off. And then Andy has a great um, talk called Winning the Daily Battle. It's on the Freedom Prayer website. And next week, we'll just start with kind of going over some uh, steps in the moment. When the, when the devil ambushes you, when the devil attacks, how to combat that in the moment. It'd be great. I put the link to that into this, into this uh, presentation that we'll share with you. It'd be great if you could listen to that between now and then. Then it'd be more, not just me sharing it with you, maybe a discussion of us talking about that winning the daily battle. Send it out there, okay, that'd be great. Um, we're just going to hit some of the highlights of that. You can bring your thoughts about that if you have time to listen between now and then. It's about an hour long. You can listen on your drive or while you're doing your artwork, that kind of thing. That'd be great. Anything else? We're hitting the end here. Okay. Well, thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.